This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. One thing that's always been interesting to me about uh, podcasting and I guess you'd say speaking in general broadcasting, is uh, sometimes the, the reactions of the group. I don't know what you say that, you know, the sampling size of this audience is, but uh, over time it's interesting. For example, there's been things that I've said that have not been popular, and um, <laughs> I don't mind bringing it up because I'm not really running a popularity contest, oddly enough. But uh, one of them was, I remember speaking years ago, that I thought that schools should provide breakfast for children. And uh, you know, I, I gave evidence to support that. And uh, it was not well received. I mean, people made it clear they don't want any expansion of government services. But look at what's going on anyway. It was, and it was amazing. There was two things that shocked me about that. One, the number of people that didn't support that idea. And then how many people were so uh, uh, you know, combative about it, really. So I guess I should have known when I brought up the, the story the other day about a little girl knocking at your door late at night crying for help, which, what would you do? Uh, well, once again, <laughs> I'm mildly surprised. I'm not surprised that there was a reaction to this. Uh, I thought that there might be. And I didn't, I didn't have that plan. You know, I don't plan a whole lot. The show notes are available. You can look at what I look at to do the podcast. And you'll see that I'm giving you my genuine opinion on things, my genuine perspective on things. I've said to you many times, hey, don't believe me. Don't trust me. I don't believe anything. I don't trust anybody. I've never said that. All I've ever said is, hey, I hope that at least I can give you um, some perspective with some level of uniqueness as to everything else that's out there uh, that you can better decide for yourself. Uh, That's all I'm trying to do. Anyway, uh, same thing in this case, I guess. I think as it turns out, it being a security issue, I feel like it, it is an area that I have a little expertise and that I can speak well about it. Eh, and you don't have to agree with that either. You don't have to agree with any of it. And you can just go ahead and open that door if that's your choice. And it sounds like a lot of you may. I was shocked as I was looking at all the – I get this barrage of you. It was very nice. Nice to hear from people. wasn't always pleasant. You know, cold. You know, you've pushed this too far. Okay, I get it. Go ahead and open the door. I'm not going to stop you, and I'm not going to be there to help you. So you're going to do as you may. Uh, this is kind of a, um, a a trick question, if you will, meant to measure your moral compass, your moral fortitude, really. And any compassionate person is going to want to help a child in need, right? Of course you would. I was just hearing a story of... Uh, up in, in another town, a child got lost on Halloween, lost in the crowd. Everybody stopped and worked together to find this child, which they did very quickly. It was really an amazing story. Child needs help. We're programmed to offer them that help immediately, right? But this is a little different. This is now a knock at your door to a child that you don't know at an odd hour. And if you haven't noticed, there's a lot going on in the world. What do you do? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I asked, what would you do? I was shocked at the hostility of the question and how many people still didn't really even answer the question, what would you do? I was also shocked not a single person said they would call the police. I found that fascinating. 
if you're so concerned about the child and you're concerned about you know your family and, and be, you know uh, being responsible about all that, call a cop. He's just going to go back to bed. <laughs> I didn't say I would do that. You know, this is funny to me. For the people that criticize me, how much help are you going to help that child if you're dead? What if that child is a trafficking victim and they're using it as a decoy? How do you know? How do you know none of these things are going on? Threatening the child, you go knock on that door or you're going to get beat again tonight. How do you know that's not going on? Well, the more reason to help them. Right, and you open the door and then you get shot or robbed or whatever. And then that's a success story. The child's now witnessed that with every, every step of your failure, they're being indoctrinated into that. Let me give you a little different version of the story. Here's what I, first of all, let me just lay for you a couple of ground rules. I don't care who it is. Last time I asked this question, I asked, uh, what would you do if a, if a um, if somebody knocked on the door in the middle of the night? And I told you that it's not a good idea to open it for a million different reasons. The last news story that brought this up was a, um, there was a guy opened the door pointing his gun and it was a cop to tell him that his son had died. And then he ended up dead, too. Cool. You pull your gun out on a cop like that, they're going to shoot you. So, anyway, what do you do? No, you know, I would take my gun and my bulletproof vest, and I would grab her and pull her in real quick. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. People are saying things like this. I'm exaggerating that slightly. I'm thinking, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's my first thought. Anyway, without any name calling, forgive me. You know, I'm trying to... Uh, Set a little higher standard. Shouldn't be calling people degrading names. But think a little bit, would you? Use your head for more than a hat rack, for God's sake. Rule number one, don't answer the door unless you know who it is. Period. What, you going to ask her a couple of questions? No. Rush to open. Just jump right out there like an idiot. I've told this story even um, – with police, I'm going to tell a story real quick of how foolish it is to just jump into a situation without knowing what's going on. Years ago, out in Chicago, police received a call. Uh, individual, in the male in the park, armed. Cops go rolling up. Wee, wee, wee. Go blazing in there. Big cowboy cops. Chicago cops. Shoot the kid dead because he pointed his gun at them. His toy gun. And people say, well, huh, you know, oh, it's an unfortunate situation. Yes, I agree. It's, you know, absolutely unfortunate that the uh, police use such poor judgment in that situation. Why would you go rolling into that situation hot like that? That's just any scenario, there's no benefit to responding like that. Maybe you have an armed intruder who was otherwise doing nothing wrong, and now you've just instigated them to grab a hostage. Or shoot the cop. None of it makes any sense. You would park from a distance, try to identify the threat first, gather some information. It's called reconnaissance. It doesn't have to take two days to do that. They could have parked down the street, left their siren, or even just left the sirens off and rolled up quietly. And observed for 30 seconds before they went running in there with their guns drawn. Into a situation where they have reasonable belief that somebody was armed which turned out to be false. So, don't answer the door unless you know who it is, all right? You see, I, I came up with a whole different gun ethos, and that was one shot, one kill. Why? Because that's the decent thing to do. 
that you don't wound an animal and let it bleed out, and then you can't even find it. You don't, you know, it's just a waste. There's no need for the animal to needlessly suffer. I understood this at eight, nine years old. You don't shoot until you see the whites of your eyes. What does that mean? You better know what you're shooting at. When I was growing up, there was a huge problem with hunters shooting each other. You are responsible for knowing what you're shooting at. How do you do that if you don't know who's on the other side of the door? All right, now, rule number two. All right, now you're going to maybe, it's a child. Now, the other thing is, what what is the level of duress, right? Now, um, if the child was at my door, you know, say, you know, uh, right now, not this moment right now, but say late tonight, and, um, you know, the same scenario, you know, we have uh, a hefty lighting system on this property. That's the first thing I would do. Put those lights on. Secondly, dial 911 immediately. Uh, I've got somebody knocking at my door claiming they need help. Please send an officer immediately. Either way, you're going to need a cop. Am I right? I can't believe nobody said this. Why wouldn't you do that before you even open the door? Now, like I said, if if it's a blizzard and the child looks like they're ready to pass out or they're on the ground and they're bleeding out or something, you know, I might have to assess that quickly and and make a couple adjustments. I'm still going to turn on those lights. I'm still going to call 911 because it could be vital to getting the whole thing to work on the back end. Given any kind of time, I would try to ask a couple of questions at a minimum to engage the child while I'm carefully seeing what's going on otherwise. But I would immediately go check the rest of the property, back door first, because that's where they're coming in. And that's where you need to go out after you get your weapon. doesn't have to be a firearm. I don't care if it's a stick, a chair, a bat. A flashlight would be a good idea. And now you're going to go around back and you're going to clear the property, okay, before you go get the child, after you've called 911. All right? I'm not sure why this is so difficult. I don't know. People act with a lot of emotion. You know, I don't know. Maybe that was the, the purpose of the Marine Corps boot camp, to beat that emotion out of you. I don't know. Um, I got a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about a video I saw from uh, Butch Erskine at Hope for Survival, hopeforsurvival.com. You got to check it out. Um, I got a lot lined up for next week already, too. Crazy. Uh, So stay tuned is what I'm trying to say. Um, But I wanted to share this. Um, Listen, observe, and go forth caught my attention. A YouTube, it's really a podcast, just Butch talking on there. And... um, you know, he's an interesting guy, uh, Butch from Hope for Survival. Um, like I, he could he could make fun of me. He's like, I feel like he's like my little brother or something. I just like the guy. Um, he's kind of a goober, you know, by my, you know, nonsense standards. Right? He's an Air Force guy. I'm a jarhead, you know. That kind of sets the whole thing right there, right? Um but he is, uh, I think, on some level, a, a genius, really. Um, anyway, I, I don't. I, I recommend uh, Hope for Survival a lot. It was absolutely um, transformative for me uh, in a lot of ways. I'm not going to retell that story right now. Um, but he just uh, he was able to connect with me in a way that worked. And I know he's got a lot of other followers that say the same. And Um, He gives away a lot of his time freely. This isn't a big business adventure, and I have no financial ties to the guy. I just, uh, like I said, I like him. I support what he does. I have his books, and um, I watch his videos. But um, 
Anyway, I want to just uh, have the transcript here of his video in my show notes, but go watch it. Don't cheat. And uh, actually, I'm going to delete the second half. Just so you can't just read it in there. And I just, I'm just being respectful of his uh, his copyrights there. You see what I'm saying? All right. Boom. Done. Oh, no, I didn't. I'm sure you're enjoying this. I'll do it later. How's that? Okay. Uh, I want to mention a couple things that he said in the video. First is he was apologizing for um, some of the audio on a YouTube video. And so this is uh, for Butch if he's listening. Um, he was complaining he couldn't connect a microphone to his phone. And uh, I don't see why you can't, Butch. Uh, Bluetooth. Um, they also have uh, uh, little lapel mics you can plug right into the bottom of the phone. Um, just go on your favorite online chopper there and, you know, search for different mics. And I think you might might find something there. But uh, the other way to do it is to record the audio and video separately and put it together, which I'm sure you don't want to do. Anyway, I will say this. If you guys, if you ever make video for any reason, whether it's YouTube or some kind of business use or something like that, sound quality matters uh, a lot. So just keep that in mind. Um, so Butch is talking about, you know, some of the things that are going on in international news, and it really is concerning. I don't know if it's as concerning as the hype would have it. I don't know if the hype is really hyping people as much as you might think. But, you know, it's a lot of World War III talk, and uh, there is some lining up of the sides. And I'll give a better update on that on Monday, and I think we may know more by then. But we'll see. There's a lot already now with lines being drawn in the sand, and it's not real favorable to Israel. And I think that uh, a lot of the world is looking at Israel and the United States as very much the same and very much their enemy. And... um, uh, some of it, I think, is probably well-placed. The world has had it with some of the shenanigans of, of both of our countries. Anyway, um, we're not going to get into that right now. But basically, uh, which makes a, a careful point that I want to make to you, too. You, you don't see me getting all, oh, I'm not really worried at all. I want to say I'm not worried at all. I'm concerned. I always say I'm concerned. But I know that we're well-stocked. You know, it's funny. I reviewed everything. When things kind of get a little... A little crazy, I'll re-review our style. Do I need to add anything? I looked over and everything. I was like, nah, I don't think so. I'm in good shape. We're mobile. Uh, we've got good security, multiple layers, sustainability. Uh, we set up to deal with different scenarios. Uh, we're really in a good scenario. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share this, this story with you. because I thought it was just really rich what Butch said here. Um, the, the title, Listen, Observe, and Go Forth, I thought it really reeked of, of wisdom to begin with. And, and then he said, he said, when he was working as a uh, uh, security advisor in special operations, this would have been in the Air Force. Now, I'm a little surprised they let him into an operation like that. I'm kidding around. Um, this is the kind of mind that you're talking about. And some of the things that he's done um, you know, definitely a level uh, well above the average person. Um, but anyway, uh, basically he says, you know, they would um, do vulnerability assessments and risk assessments at United States embassies. Pretty cool, right? And um, they would go in there and they would analyze um, these different things and all their operating procedures. And basically what he says is, look, um, you know, whether they agreed or disagreed with uh, what they were being told about what they conducted business, 
They would take what they were told about how the organization was doing things, and then they would go see what was actually happening and compare the two. And um, that's the information gathering. In other words, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear. What is this saying? You know, uh, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. That's exactly what he's saying here. He said there's a, a funny saying years ago when he was young in the Air Force. He said the, back then that the, the Air Force saying was that the, the Soviet Union had previously stated they would never attack an Air Force base uh, because security was never where it was supposed to be. <laughs> That's a, a compliment and a crack all in one there, right? They're saying, like, they, these guys are so unpredictable. They got no plan. Uh, it kind of makes them dangerous, you know. And uh, I guess there's some truth to that, right? And maybe that's the case with Trump, right? It's like the guy's so random that, um, you know, it makes them unpredictable. They get nervous by that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, you've got to, especially right now, really carefully, uh, you know, Look at the way you're taking in information. And I also think psychologically be careful with how much you're digesting and redigesting. You know, if you keep rereading World War III, World War III, World War III, you know, pretty soon it's going to start to mess with your head in some way. Um, I'm not a psychologist to, to tell you what those some ways are, but... I think you got to be a little careful. If you're really concerned, you're probably rooted in your insecurity of how well prepared you are to deal with the situation. Fix that. Fix that. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, there's a, um, a blog I tapped into, Presumptive Philosopher. It's at Blogspot. It's just amazing some of the rich writing you find on these uh, you know, B-label blogs kind of like this B-Label um, podcast. And I think there's a reposting here from uh, Town Hall. Um, so this is. let me see if I can follow this for you and dissect it a little bit to take it from a blog to audio. Um, the, the title of it is Makers versus Takers in Less Than Three Generations. He said, the Trump and Sanders phenomena is one that can be easily explained and understood. Accepted? Well, we shall leave that for another day. Three generations, the takers, the Democrats disappointed them. It has taken three generations, with parents boomers being the first. The fight of liberals to use pop culture to develop the entitlement generation by ginning up discontent got only some of what they wanted. He identifies three different types of Democrats, the gangster, the idealist, and the parasite. Uh, I would imagine there's three different types of Republicans, right? The promises uh, by the elites who use the low-information, low-class type of people ultimately uh, pissed off this new entitlement generation. Give them an inch, they want a mile, uh, as you promised. And Bernie Sanders helped that with his free college mantra. Um, using white guilt and political correctness uh, with the assistance of the Marcus media, the boomer generation, the upper and middle class classes were hoodwinked by their success. Uh, Republicans also uh, disappointing this uh, group of young people. Not spending time with their children, they compensated with lack of accountability and stuff. You've heard me talk about this. Don't blame the children. Blame the parents. Analogy I like is one of the parents leaving for vacation without the children, 
trusting the children with the house, etc. Remember, no parties. Those were mom and dad's last words. And when they returned three generations later, they realized just how things got so screwed up. And people are now upset by it. Donald Trump is the voice of the makers. Um, the capitalist faucet, a socialist drain, is an analogy used here. Makers versus takers, the makers being the carpenters, the bankers being the takers. All right? Uh, here's the creed for the takers. Tell them what you're going to do tomorrow. Tell them what you did yesterday, mostly lies. What are you doing today? Repeat one and two. Contrast that to the performer's creed. Tell people what you are going to do. Do it. Tell them you did it. And that's a maker, not a taker. And I've brought this up um, many times with Donald Trump. You know, even today, there's no $40,000 checks that they're running around saying that of Trump corruption. There's no, you know, all this talk about his real estate value. There's not want any talk about a, a house that, you know, he sold for an enormous amount of money and 20 years later it's still worth the same amount like Biden did. None of that. Um, no more winners, whiners only. Um, you justify your beliefs about yourself by your status as a liberal, not your deeds. You exempt yourself from attacks on America. The liberals hate America, so they just say yes, they deserve it. Uh, what liberals like should be mandatory and what they don't like should be banned. And this is the mind of the liberal, not for the freedom to choose, the freedom for the mob to force their will on everybody else. And liberals tell you the past is always inferior to the present. And why is that? Why not an objective look? Maybe some things were better, some things not. Liberalism is a jealous God and no other God may come before it. And this is the new religion of liberalism. Liberalism believes in indiscriminateness for thought. That you can do whatever you want. You can pick your gender. That's transformed into a movement now talking about picking your parents for kids. And if you've had a crappy parent, you might even agree with that. I could go on and on about that. They say that intentions are much more important than results. How did you feel about it? The only real sins are helping conservatism or harming liberalism. All solutions must be government-oriented. This is another fantastic phenomenon that blows my mind on many levels. Our government is so corrupt, so inept, so bankrupt, and yet people are, where are you going to get my college paid for? Uh, to be a good liberal, you must be absolutely closed-minded because you support the liberal cause. Feelings are much more important than logic. I think this is um, kind of a double down on uh, intentions are much more important than results. And a lot of what we've been talking about lately that you see going on culturally is a push in that direction, right? That um, you, you have no free will, right? That you, no responsibility. Um, and lastly, liberals would say tribal affiliation is more important than individual action. Very important to the liberal, uh, current liberal mind because you can't think for yourself. Fascinating article and a fascinating take of what's going on. It has always been a problem since the formation of the government, the makers versus the takers, the lazy versus the unlazy. And as I was thinking about this topic, I read this article about a week ago, and so it had been in my mind, and I watch people as I go about my business. And, you know, I look at how, um, and I don't say this judgingly. It's not for me to judge. Uh, I judge myself, and I do my best to take care of myself. 
so for example, this week, I did a lot of stretching and um, uh, calisthenics at home. It was a busy week. I had a lot of meetings running around. And that was my workout. I wasn't able to get out on my I – I did get a, a bike ride in earlier in the week. I was working in the yard, all right, uh, try to eat right when I can. I didn't, wasn't able to do it all week, but I did what I can. I tried to take care of myself and present myself well. I had to go speak in front of a group of people. I made sure that I was well-groomed and my clothes were properly ready uh, because I care about my presentation. I don't want to go on and on about this, and I don't mean to sound superficial, but it's interesting. I used to say when I was working in the corporate world, uh, you know, the guy whose desk is is clean, it speaks volumes about that individual. Someone's like, well, I'll tell you if they're doing anything or not. I'm like, I've never seen anybody with a clean desk that wasn't doing a lot. I'm sure it exists. It's the people with the messy desks that they want to give the appearance that they're doing a lot. And it becomes like a bit of a barrier. Hey, can I ask you to, oh, I, I got <laughs> this big pile of stuff. It's been sitting there for months. The lazy versus the, 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 the makers, right? The people who get things done. There's a lot of lazy people. Go look around. There are people are out in their pajamas, for God's sake. People go out to the food store in their pajamas. Uh, I went to the food store the other day, and uh, there was about four or five women in my immediate vicinity, all wearing yoga pants because it's all the, you know, the guys are wearing their sweatpants, which I occasionally do, by the way, myself. In fact, I just bought a pair of fleece-lined sweatpants. Uh, but it just became interesting to me just how many people are in this, um, you know, slug bed state, if you will. But all the women were in their yoga pants, and then all I could smell was this out-of-control perfume. And honest to God, I I could be wrong. I thought to myself, which one of you hasn't showered that caked on this perfume that cover up your stink? You know, you you don't don't think that uh, women have body odor either, but that's not true. And uh, anyway, I just thought to myself, you know, what does the world come to? Like I said, asking too much to grab a quick shower before you go out in public? Um, and, and like I said, I, I don't want to be judgmental. It's not like I'm, you know, getting dressed up in my Sunday best around to the food store and grab a few things. I don't want to give you the wrong idea. But when you look around, and I'm just giving you a little glimpse, go into the workplace, anywhere, anymore. Uh, I went to get my wife's car serviced, and uh, it just I didn't see any real effort on the part of the employees. It was fine visit. I'm not complaining. I don't see anybody really hustling. You know, it's never been everybody hustling. You never, it's never been that way. Now it's just, I don't see anybody. It's just like, eh, we'll get to it when we get to it kind of attitude. And um, first of all, to me, you know, to live a life like that, you know, if you want to say, eh, it's it's low stress. You know what I say? Keep it. Keep your low stress. Keep your do nothing. Lay around and and sit around on the sofa and bitch, okay? Because that's what 90% of the people are doing out there. They sit around on the sofa and complain. I think I say, I don't watch TV. I don't have time for TV. You're sitting there for two hours after dinner every night. And what I just say to you, and you listen, I watch Fox News. I watch Newsmax. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff. That's what you're filling your mind with. And then you're going to wake up the next day. World War III, World War III. I don't know if I'm describing this very well. But you have to take responsibility for all that. And uh, I'm not trying to take issue with, with you, but I'm just making the point that you look around at our society, and, and in my opinion, to make this very simple, we've got a whole lot more takers out there than makers. 
And don't be surprised that they get violent at some point. All right? It's running kind of late here, and i got to move on. So let me burn through these stories here. Let me try and give you a little update on the state of things as I see it. Uh, the Washington Post uh, has said that uh, the CIA uh, is indicating that they may be looking to pull out of Ukraine. I think that's going to happen. It's no longer politically popular, and they're going to get what they need out of this Middle East war and the domestic unrest that they bring with it. Uh, this was very interesting. Let me pull this up here. If I can open this. Why is it not opening? There we go. A little technical difficulty. Uh, the mayor of Philadelphia, James Keeney, Kenny, Keeney, Kenny, I guess, declared an effort to remove racial inequity across the city's government through an executive order on Monday. The executive order, which expands on a similar order Kenny signed in 2020, will require all departments in the city government to hire a racial equity manager. Really? What do you think that's going to be? Well, I'll tell you about it in a minute. Um, Establishes a new department to, quote, coach government employees on their inherent bias and requires departments to shape their budgets around promoting citywide efforts to promote, quote, just actions. Um, This is fascinatingly dystopian to me. First of all, he says says, race-based disparities exist in Philadelphia across all indicators of well-being, including housing, security, access to health care, and other areas. The racial inequities are the result of individual, institution, and structural racism, he says. He is the white mayor <laughs> of a all-black city staff. Uh, it's not all black, for sure, but it's mostly black. And basically what I hear him saying is that this racial equity manager, this is going to be a new position, so they're going to bump. He's not going to give them the money to do it. They're going to have to bump some other position or combine with some other position a racial equity manager. It's got to be a, a minority that's going to sit there and, what, tell the non-whites how they need to be more sensitive to non-whites? Uh, or to tell the whites how they need to be sensitive? But there are none. Very few. What does, this, what does this do? I'll tell you what it does. Let me tell you exactly what it does. It really has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with equity, equality, or any of that. The city of Philadelphia is firmly getting flushed down the toilet. It's going to be next after New York getting overrun with all these immigrants. already happening. you got massive shootings, a serious drug problem. Kenny and his corrupt DA can't get anything done. And this is just to cover all that. I'm sorry we've we've turned the city into a toilet. You know what? We need more. You whiteies need to be less racist. That's what we're going to do for you. Why is the government getting involved in this? Florida's burning more trash. Residents say it's making them sick. They're talking about incinerators there. Uh, Would you agree with trash incineration in the vicinity of where you live? Um, Let me mention this. This was an interesting post. Oh, yeah. uh, Let me tee this up a second. Um, Let me go back. Uh, Burning trash in Florida. Uh, Let me mention this real quick. So, uh, landfills were filling up, and then there was a lot of PR about that, and there still is. 
probably by the the burning company. There's really only one around here. It's called I'm not going to say the name. It's not a good idea on the podcast. Um, but there's really only one that does all this burning. And personally, if you ask me, from what I know about it, it's incredibly clean. It's highly regulated here. And uh, would I want to live downwind from it? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be have that blowing on me all the time. Um, and the problem with trash is, you know, the farther you have to haul it, the more expensive. So, you know, they don't want to be going too far with this stuff. What is the answer to all that? Uh, I feel like they have a pretty good handle on it, really. I think we should be burning more. But I have to tell you, there's now a movement going in the other direction. No, the toxic fumes. People have no evidence of this, by the way. I've seen none. Absolutely. It just sounds, right? You say, well, it could be. I mean, you're burning this stuff, and it just sounds like it's dirty, right? But nobody really has any evidence to suggest that. Um, all right, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Israel's attack on Hamas. Uh, yesterday or the day before, there was an Israeli strike that hit a um, refugee center or something like that, and it killed a couple hundred innocent people. Uh, I have a feeling that could blow up on them. We'll see. We'll know better in the coming days, and I'll report back to you on Monday about all that. Um, anyway, it talked about you know, Israel's trying to justify their actions in all this, and I've spoken a little bit about this and the difficulty uh, in doing all that and the fact that the detractors of Israel really don't care about Israel's just- justifications. You know, that you're going to say an eye for an eye, and then however many people were hurt on October 7th is your limit. Hmm, that's their limit, though. Um, but here's what I wanted to read to you. This is by a Jewish person who posted this justification, um, or this rationale, I should say. Um, and he says, uh, there's a Hamas tunnel under a civilian's house. The tunnel only has military um, or criminal uses. It was built under the civilian's house to protect the tunnel from attack. The people in the house have been told repeatedly to get out to save their lives but they refuse to leave. He makes the argument, you're telling me that no one is allowed to bomb the tunnel because the house is in the way? Either you, A, don't understand the basics of morality during wartime, or B, you are pretending that you don't understand. And, um, you know, it's a very uh, interesting argument. And... I wonder where the Jewish support for this argument was um, at Haditha. And this is where I get a little revved up. People like to have things both ways. And a lot of people are going to comment on the morality of war that have never even experienced it or dealt with it. And some of it makes me plainly sick. I would say to you that, hell yeah. What do you, why do you think I'm saying to you, don't answer the door for some little girl? You know, in the military, the story goes like this. You're riding in a convoy down a dark road at night, and you've got to get this ammo from point B to A to point B, and there's a baby in the middle of the road. What do you do? These moral decisions are made by the second in a combat environment, by young men. And then they come back all messed up in the head, and you know, the veterans. Nobody wants to talk to them. Nobody wants to put up with them. Huh, you're, you're old and crusty. Oh, yeah, because I've seen the way that people unrestricted, how they really treat each other. I've seen how people who are so pathetic that they won't defend themselves. That they just I could go on and on about it. 
So this point here, so the first point I would say, yes, culpability, absolutely. And those people at Haditha that they want to make it sound like the Marines went in and slaughtered those innocent civilians was bunk. They were just as culpable as the people in that house. Why is the reputation of those Marines not being honored? But they'll sit here and fight for their cause. You know what I say? Fight your own damn battles. I'm tired. I'm not fighting them anymore. It's your problem, not my problem. Blow the house up, don't blow the house up. All I'm going to tell you is you missed a step here, Mr. Uh, You don't understand the basics of morality during wartime. You're going to justify blowing up the house, and Iran's going to use it to justify blowing up you. So I just hope that you have the ability to deal with all that since you have such a broad understanding of all these things. Nobody calling for peace. Everybody going to justify why they could kill, kill, kill. Okay? Listen, I've said it before. I'm not worried about it. Really not. All right? I got a big enough buffer. Other people might be a little worried about it. AOC praises Maine's Jared Golden for calling for an assault weapon ban after that shooting in Maine. Boy, that story dried up fast. The news cycle was like a blip anymore. It was like, shooting, ban, done. Um, Yeah, they want to get those assault rifles. How many Jewish people supporting an assault rifle ban in our own government? Why don't we get that fixed up, and then maybe we could help them with their problems. We've got Jewish people attacking us here in our own country. Let's deal with that first. What am I talking about? How many Jewish people in the Democrat Party, this is the party of Jewish people mainly, and I'm not saying it's all of them. I know very many great people, Republican Jewish people. And I say that their problem is in spite of being Jewish, not because of, not anti-Semitic. I want to know. All these people in Israel right now, all these liberals that are supporting Ukraine right now, how dare you sit there and tell me that you're going to take my money to arm another country while you, out of the same mouth, tell me to give up mine? Go to hell. That's what I would say. You're no friend of mine. We got to start drawing some lines when it comes down to it. I mean, I support Ukraine. I support Israel. I don't support any of it. Go to hell. That's my word. Plain and simple. China on Hamas. China destroys Israel's Zionist lies. I don't have the uh, transcript of this here. This is uh, fascinating. There is not. No transcript here. And I'm not going to play this uh, four and a half minutes. Let me explain to you what it is, and you can check it out for yourself. And I want to also be clear, I necessarily support China or not support Israel based on what this video says. But it does say that there's more than one side to the story. Israel comes out complaining that China's not doing enough to allow Israel to defend itself. China comes back and very eloquently says, hey, we've been trying to strive for peace. And uh, we've tried to put forth these different motions and so forth. And the United States and Israel have blocked it, basically saying that we're tired of your dirty politics. Interesting. The rest of the world, I think, has said, you know, sorry for your loss, but we're tired of your dirty politics. The only thing I can say to you, I'm a little tired of the dirty politics of Israel myself. And I'm also a little dirty of the politics of the United States. I think it's time for a little change myself. Let's move on. 
this is huge political news. I know I have another story in the coffers. We'll see if we get to it next week. Dean Phillips is going to challenge Biden in the presidential primary. It's so funny to me how they're ignoring that there are other challengers. Fascinating, really. Also, as I look back, um, you know, and I, I read for you, you know, some of that uh, write-up from the lazy people and, and liberals and, and how all that uh, can get matched up, I guess you could say. Um, but basically, in this case, with Biden, people, the Democrats, I mean, you know, they don't support Biden, but they support what he stands for. And I find that fascinating. What is it that Biden stands for? Open border, out-of-control spending. I mean, the people are, are suffering here and around the world under these policies. How could you possibly support it? I don't understand. Uh, Malibu rich kid clocked at over 100 miles an hour when he hit four college co-eds. What would you say if you were the father of one of those co-eds? Residents in Chicago protesting migrant camps. It's getting ugly. Uh, car drivers uh, torture a New Zealand city with Celine Dion songs. <laughs> I mentioned this to you as an act of terroristic civil disobedience. Uh, honking of horns late at night, driving through. You could take a couple of cars, and you wouldn't have to be in a train or anything like that. Just a couple of people working together, and you could absolutely uh, wreak havoc on a neighborhood. I know this because I lived in a neighborhood where people were setting off illegal fireworks. And we lived in town, and so it was, you know, tight area. And somebody was, and then dogs are barking, and everybody's awake at midnight or whatever the case is. Uh, It really can be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, problematic. Russian prison population plummets as convicts are sent to war. Putin's a genius. I'm going to take care of more than one problem at once here. Goldie Hawn claims that an alien touched her and it felt like the finger of God. Her husband came out and said he had a similar experience. My question, what kind of drugs are they doing? Uh, UFC fans threatened to boycott the sport after it announced the $105 million deal with Bud Light. Uh, This was fascinating. Dana White um, the owner there of the UFC came out and, and basically said that the fans were stupid. And I think I know where he's coming from on that. Well, he's the stupid one. You know, he beat his wife up, and now he's going to beat the company down too. Uh, some guy he is. That's all I can say. He has, no, he has no morals. He has no standards. A, a guy that uh, raises his hand to his wife, he said, we were drinking and we had an argument. I'm going to tell you something. I've done plenty of drinking in my day. I've been married three times. I'm not proud of it. I've never once raised my hand to my wife. Never once. It's just like I said with the firearm, you see, because I was raised by my mother. My father wasn't a drinker. My mother was. She taught me from a young age, you are responsible for your actions. Your state of mind is your problem, not everybody else's problem. But see, the rules have changed, right? The rules have changed. I don't think so. Uh, I haven't watched UFC in years, nothing to do with uh, Bud Light, but frankly, I'm glad I'm done with it. What do magic mushrooms do to your brain? They're claiming that that pilot that tried to take down that plane, you remember me mentioning this story? He's saying that he took some mushrooms about two days prior. 
you know, all this talk about this microdosing and all this stuff is safe and it's simply not true. And if you're going to dabble in these things, I would say to you, be careful and make sure you, you understand what it is that you're dealing with. Uh, the secret industry devouring the United States economy. Um, this is fascinating. I feel like I mentioned this, but I'm going to mention it again in case I didn't. They're reporting that in the past years, since I guess basically Obama, that the number of, of companies on the Dow has gone from 8,000 to 4,000. And that they're being bought up by private equity firms. Uh, this is very, very concerning to our economy. Uh, not at all what the capitalist system was supposed to be. Um, medical science and advocacy groups want SCOTUS to protect regulation. I brought this up the other day with the uh, wetlands case. Do you remember me talking about this? Well, this group... They want the Supreme Court to keep things the way they are. They want these federal agencies to decide the interpretation of these rules. These interpretations, not being plain English interpretations, are wreaking havoc all over the place. This is the evil, this chaos that is now being embedded in our way of thinking, our societal way of thinking. Scientists urge WHO, World Health Organization, to declare a health emergency for the planet. They want shutdowns, lockdowns. They want the, uh, the economy. They have gone nuts. They're ready to kill themselves over the— Listen, there was somebody—I saw this quote, and it was really perfect, that the, the climate frenzy, you know, has reached its peak when people are thinking it would be better that people are dead to protect the economy. These scientists who are, are urging the World Health Organization, what scientists are these? They happen to be paid by solar panel companies by any chance. Uh, I asked a friend who's a believer in climate change. I said, hey, how come we're not getting any reports on the improvements being made? He says, what do you mean? I said, well, all these solar panels going in. I said, how come uh, I'm not going to hear you know, that there's actually how it's improving things, slowing things down? No, they tell us it's worse. Worse. We've got to do more, 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 more. They're just driving everybody nuts. Uh, here's a report from the Gateway Pundit saying that Islamic groups have infiltrated the United States defense establishment. I don't see what could go wrong there. Drug stores, major brand drug stores are closing around the country. This is wreaking havoc with millions of Americans who now can't get their prescriptions. Ah, come on, somebody's got to do it by mail. Walmart, Amazon, one of these big companies. Drugstore closings. I talked about this, the problem of how these drugstore companies, these big publicly held drugstore companies, they were not owning much of their real estate. They were doing it with off-book, triple-net leases. And maybe somebody who's in the securities or something like that can um, explain that a little better than me that knows it. But it's a problem. It's a problem. And I don't know that off-book, I guess, is the correct way of saying that. But the bottom line is they were, they were warping values and profits as well as risk by burying it a lot of debt, a huge amount of their debt they buried via these triple net leases. Um, this story I found fascinating, the case for gorilla crosswalks. What's a gorilla crosswalk? This is people living in urban areas that are fed up with a lack of unpainted crosswalks, so they go out and paint it themselves. And I look at this stuff, and I'm thinking, we got a homeless problem, a drug, a drug, a drug epidemic, and people are going to take it upon themselves to go paint a crosswalk. 
And then they don't understand why the city goes and removes it after they put these illegal crosswalks in. Do I really need to explain it? Leave the crosswalks alone. Uh, Dwight Howard accused of sexual assault by a man. He's, Dwight Howard is a basketball player now being accused of, of raping a man. Um, hmm. Interesting, right? This is the new culture. He said it was consensual, but that he surprised them. It's a pretty weird case, to say the least. Freaky to me. I don't know. Jamal Brown, he's a uh, House of Representatives that pulled the fire alarm during the House vote, claiming that he thought it was to open the door. Well, he was charged. He was charged for pulling the fire alarm. He was sentenced to basically nothing with a complete expungement of his record. The two-rule rule, my friends. When a Democrat pulls the fire alarm, it's an accident. If a Republican does it, it's an insurrection. Just like the terrorists that showed up and, and uh, invaded the, uh, the Capitol. Well, they were supportive of the Democrat cause, and so they were protected by free speech. The Republicans that showed up to support Trump, well, you know that story. That's the two-rule rule, and it doesn't appear that it's going away anytime soon. And if you fail to accept the two-rule rule, not to worry. That can be explained by your blatant white privilege. God willing, I'll be back on Monday. I got big plans this weekend. Maybe I'll tell you about it when I come back. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, I'll be here. Hopefully, you will be too. In the meantime, you know what I like to say on the weekends. Do something to invest in yourself. If you do that, you do it on Monday. God willing, I'll be back. Make it a great day.